Welcome to the Friday Workplace Briefing. Workplace law changes so quickly. Tune in weekly to find out how the law is changing and what you need to do. Well, welcome. Welcome, Nina. Welcome, Nina. Andrew. 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 Yeah. Okay, well, we're back on board. We're back in the huddle. This is actually the team. Yeah, I'm on board with you in the huddle. Hashtag. We've been debating it all week. I think in the huddle works, Andrew. I'm with you on this one. I'm the boss. Okay, so look, we've got some really interesting stuff to talk about. We do have some news, some really interesting newsworthy things. But we're also going to look at two particular things. One, sadly, we're going to talk to you about COVID again because we actually have to because it is news and it is really important news. But we'll look at it in the context of safety and this emergent trend with both regulators and courts in mm. sending people to jail. Yeah. So for people who aren't officers in the room but are advisors, it's really this gives you a real picture of what is an officer and where their liability arises. But look, let's just kick off, Matt, federal government, Family and domestic leave, talk about that. Yeah, that's right. So legislation or the bill, sorry, put up in uh, yesterday, yep. 10 days paid. Where it's most interestingly, I think, departed from what we all understood it was going to be, permanent, full-time, part-time and all casual employees entitled to it. So yeah, to the extent that they would work on a roster. That's right. Yeah. So if they had a rostered shift on and then they needed to access the leave for family and domestic violence reasons, they would be able to do so for that particular day. Everything else sort of has stayed the same with what we expected to. It doesn't accrue year to year. The notice and evidence and requirements are the same. But look, a really interesting shift again, something that we talked about this morning, Andrew, about look, the Labor government's approach to the casualisation of work, increasingly looking to sort of take away some of that casualisation by extending entitlements that would have otherwise traditionally just been for permanent employees. And this is the latest example. And we've seen from the Victorian government who started this process. That's right, it's now a guarantee. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's, now it's going deep into the federal government in all yeah, the changes. Yeah, that's so. right. I think we'll see it more and more over the next yeah. couple of years. So different types of leave coming through, the casual yeah, And I think we'll see that emerge right into the gig economy as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Andrew. All right, well, look, that's great. Let's keep, I think we're going to go to you, actually, before we go to Matt on the case, okay? So the Northern Territory Positive Duty, talk about that. Yeah, so they're followed in Victoria's footsteps and introduced a new positive, well, are planning to introduce a new positive duty into their Anti-Discrimination Act, which will require employers to proactively take reasonable steps to prevent sexual harassment, discrimination and victimisation. And isn't this interesting when we've got now three jurisdictions who are looking at psychological injury as yeah. either regulations mm. or codes? Isn't it good to see legislation starting to harmonise across the different parts of workplace. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Andrew. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we've spoken on this many times <laughs> yeah. about how frustrating, frustrating that can be for clients out there. Yeah, well, the three of us sit yeah. across over 62, so 62 pieces of legislation that affect workplace law, which is really the differences that sit between state jurisdictions mm. in things like discrimination yeah. law. Mm-hmm. Safety law is gradually harmonising, which is great. Yeah, Victoria. Except for Victoria. Except Victoria. And except for Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> um, and New South Wales. Yeah. Yeah. industrial manslaughter in South Australia. Who's yeah. thinking about it? But other than that, we're very similar. Okay, Matt, I reckon, I know you put this case in, but that's just because you wanted to rail about it. This is about the unregistered union and Woolworths. Yeah. And perhaps... We don't know the full story in this case. No, we this don't. Is an adverse, don't. This is a lay-down misere adverse. It is. It and is. nobody knows why it happens. But no. there's got to be another story. No, that's right. Look, a really fascinating case, very timely and topical in terms of what we'll be talking about today. But Woolworths engage in adverse action against an employee. The employee, a union member of an unregistered union, we assume, because it's not in the facts, probably someone who's a little bit vocal in the workplace 
probably raising complaints about things all the time, actually raises a quite legitimate complaint about lighting in a car park at night time. So very clear safety-related complaints. Within days of the complaint being made, Woolworths actually goes, well, actually, geez, you know, this is pretty unsafe. They do a risk assessment. They go, let's turn the lights on. Just, just, just remember, before that, they'd threaten to move it to another area. Yeah. Well, that's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, and in the interim, Sorry. no, that's the thing. So, I mean, you know, to emphasise, they acknowledge the safety complaint, but then they just kick this poor woman while she's down, really. They threaten to move her to a different department. They direct her to a performance-related meeting to discuss all bunch of things, including the fact that she raised this complaint. So, look, clear adverse action. So and somebody's it, sitting there, aren't they? Yeah. They're going, I just can't stand <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah, right. yeah. like, No, another complaint. Yeah, oh, you know, and look, we get calls from clients of this <laughs> all the time, in fairness. But the difficulty is, is sometimes you get people like this and they, they do raise a whole bunch of sort of unreasonable complaints, but you've got to look at each one. And you're sensitised to them. Yeah. They just, yeah. I mean, we're not saying to this poor woman who's out there that yeah. she's crazy, but there are times, <laughs> there are times when yeah. you have. The red flag employee who just go, nyan, 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 oh, and the end just go, whack, whack, yeah. whack, and they say something, you go, that's it, line in the sand, that's let's right. deal with this, Yeah, but they've raised a legitimate one. That's right. That's they, right. Went, they paid $10,000 penalty. They on. did, they did. So, look, they admitted to the adverse action before the court. They paid separate compensation to the employee, gave her a written apology and everything, but there was a dispute really about what the penalty no would be. No discount on goods, though. No, <laughs> no, no, no. So prices weren't no. going down, down. No, they didn't scare the were going up. Didn't scare the employee. No warning in the green room about that joke. No, we weren't prepared for that one. No scanning the everyday rewards. You know, no, no fly buys on that one. 10K straight out, straight paid to the union. So, look, I think a great example of a lesson about, look, yes, you might have these employees who are raising lots of different things that are annoying, but when you get a legitimate one, particularly when you get to act on it so quickly, take a step back and breathe. think, breathe, is this something that we actually need to agitate around? And I think and that's Don't someone, set and forget. That's no, oh don't set God. and forget. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought I'd get that in for Matt before he can say it later. I told them it would come up. Yeah. yeah. No, so let's... <laughs> Now that we've dealt with that case, because that was a bit of fun, yeah. um, get to the heart of what we're talking about today with Nina. And what we're talking about today is we are seeing a trend that's coming both from regulators prosecuting yeah. to courts taking them much more seriously and imposing more than just fines for serious stuff, imprisoning people around officer conduct. So the first thing is let's just define what an officer is so everyone gets it. Yeah. It's a funny sort of name. And it's also something that's really misunderstood, I think. Mm. Me and Matt were chatting about this this morning, but everyone knows, look, officers are directors and secretaries, but what they don't realise, it also extends to anyone who makes decisions which would affect the whole or a substantive part of the business or anyone who could affect the financial standing of a business as well. So that's your executive group? Yeah. Particularly your CFO who says, look, I'm not going to fund safety things. Okay. So there's quite a large group of people who are actually officers of business, and the first thing you must do is actually identify who they are make sure your officers officers and directors policy, insurance policy covers them to the extent, I know they can't be covered for Mm -hmm. safety prosecutions now in a number of states and jurisdictions. But once you know who they are, then we come to the next question, which is what is happening when we, what are the things that officers can be liable? And there's three things, isn't there? There's a primary duty breach. Now that's because we're in Victoria. (laughs) It's slightly different in Victoria to elsewhere. What's the difference? Yeah, this one's an interesting one. So Victoria has a higher threshold for officer liability, which is super bizarre. An officer actually has to know about the hazard to be prosecuted for it. So 
And an interesting example, Andrew, is we've been moving offices in Sydney this week. Thanks for this, man. And whilst during the moving process, I want to make that very clear, no one was aware of this risk before, one of the, I think the contractors identified there was a live wire and they informed Andrew and, of course, things are being done to fix it. But what's really interesting is if he didn't know about it in Victoria, he just could not be prosecuted if no one told him. Mm. Yet in New South Wales and everywhere else in Australia, he would be found liable regardless. It's, it's crazy, isn't crazy. it? It's such a strange yeah. distinction. Yeah. So that's Section 144 in Victoria, which actually requires subjective knowledge of an officer. It's a, one of the things that Victoria oddly didn't move on during the harmonisation process. In fact, it's one of all of the things that Victoria didn't yeah, move on. Didn't refuse to harmonise <laughs> yeah, at all. That's yeah. right. But anyway, yeah. that's a different issue. So we know the primary duty breach. Wait, before we move on, I just want to say, though, it doesn't give you a free pass like officers in Victoria if there are obvious risks, so things like COVID, which we're going to talk about later, traffic management, fall from heights, things that are obvious, yeah, mental health, things that are obvious to any reasonable person, even if you're not directly informed about it, you should be aware that that risk exists and do your proper diligence. Yeah. So don't be an officer who says, don't tell me that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Willful, willful blindness doesn't get no. you over the line. No, no. but it, the important thing is it has to be attributable to yes. So in other words, it's the officer's behaviour has to be causative factor in the mm. process to mm. get the officer liable. But then things get a lot worse, don't they? Because you can, <laughs> officers... going to keep getting worse today. Yeah. Officers can be liable like anybody else for... Reckless conduct. And only officers can be liable for industrial, industrial manslaughter, manslaughter, which yeah. is in every other jurisdiction. Except New South Wales, Tasmania and South Australia. South, and South Australia is coming to the party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If there's such things as a party around industrial manslaughter. Anyway. Oh, I thought you were about to say in South Australia, ain't true. <laughs> 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 Gone too far. <laughs> Measuring deputy president things. Okay, so <laughs> reckless endangerment, quick definition. Yeah, so it comes down to two things. Subjectively is depends on what they knew. So it's a knowledge of yeah, risk of serious injury or yeah. death, yeah. And then the objective thing is what are the but whether they were careless and how they handle it. So the most common thing we see is people will deal with it in some way, usually at a minister of control and think, look, I've dealt with it, that solves the problem, that's not enough. You actually have to apply the hierarchy of controls and if you do not apply enough that is reasonably practical, you'll still be found guilty of reckless conduct. Yeah. So it goes, it's interesting, isn't it, because we commonly see an officer say, well, look, surely we can do something about it. Mm-hmm. The safety guy goes, yeah, it's a big hole in the floor, it's pretty dangerous, it goes no. down 10 storeys. We, we can put a bit of masonite over it and yeah. put yeah. a sign, but it's not really enough. No. And the officer yeah, yeah, do that, just do that for the short term. We'll, we'll fix it mm-hmm. later. That's reckless because they were aware of it. They are actually aware of this high-level risk and what they did was insufficient to, to yeah. fix it. So it's that's careless. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. just careless. Yeah. Industrial manslaughter, unfortunately, and we're going to give you a general definition because there's three different definitions that exist, but the primary definition is that there is a high risk of injury, of death. Injury, death, yep. yeah. That there is a breach of a primary duty because it has to be attributable to safety. Yeah, that's we're right. Talking about. Back in. And yeah. then it must be grossly negligent. Yeah, by the officer. Yeah, and then it must be death. Yeah, and, and directly the, linked. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be death on site. No. So when mm. we're talking about industrial manslaughter, have a think about the types of things you'd have for industrial manslaughter. Mm. Mental health is the obvious that people yeah. can die off. COVID now. COVID is yeah. a really yeah. obvious one. Right. Yeah. So all of those things, officers can be liable. And we start to look at the case law. So we have 
ups and downs in case law, don't we? But so let's look at a really low level risk for reckless endangerment for an officer and see a court's respond nozzy skips. Yep, that's so, right. No, I know it's right. But <laughs> that's your actual hint to talk about the case. Yeah. <laughs> Aussie skips. Okay, so can we cue it? So Safe Work New South Wales and Aussie Skips basically involved a case where a heavy truck rolled into a worker as they were picking up garbage material. (laughs) Hand picking up the rubbish. Yeah. By hand. Yeah. 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 And they were directly supervised by one of the supervisors and he had basic controls, was watching what everyone did, but he was still charged with reckless conduct and fined $60,000 because they found, although he did the minimum level of controls, he failed to do risk assessments, he didn't ensure that policies were in force. Look, they didn't even have proper traffic management policies. The way to let pedestrians know that there were vehicles around was verbal instructions. Mm. So there was just real absence of taking all reasonably practical steps, and that was enough to find them guilty of reckless conduct. Yeah. So the point here is so failure to, take, to follow, do everything reasonably practical is a primary duty approach, okay? Mm-hmm. But where you have knowledge of something which is such a high risk mm-hmm. and where you're doing just a little bit along the way but actually it is careless because you can mm-hmm. see the risk materialising in front of it and you do nothing about it, it's reckless endangerment. Very low level compared mm. to some of them. So in orbit drilling, we see a next level oh, up. Yeah. In orbit drilling, which was a case where a truck was not fit to be driven, where the braking systems failed, a young boy had never been Very shot. inexperienced. boy had never yeah. been, never been given off. 10 days he oh, his licence. Then, yeah, yeah, then he drove down a steep, muddy hill in dangerous circumstances, brakes failed, rolled, kid died. Managing director in that fine, incredibly high, this is very, very first reckless endangerment case yeah. run in Australia in Victoria. First big one, yeah. The organisation itself got a fine that was only $120,000 less than the maximum fine, mm-hmm. and the supervisor got a suspended sentence. And that was probably the first warning across the bowels to mm-hmm. everybody. Now, yeah. we've seen, we won't go through all the cases, but there's cases like Watson, a number of yeah. other cases where you've seen this gradual escalation of penalty coming mm-hmm. each time, and we've now had a number of people sentenced to jail who are either supervisors or officers across Australia. So I guess for the three of us when we started talking about this is the most recent case that came through for we saw Synergy yeah, is a case which in on. any other jurisdiction but New South Wales and Tasmania and maybe a bit of South Australia, but this would have been an industrial manslaughter case. So only could be reckless endangerment. It's a, a, a case which name will tell you the facts in a second. But the really interesting part of the case is reckless endangerment was charged as a principal contractor got a $900,000 fine, which is a massive fine huge. under what's called Category 2 reckless endangerment, which is $1.5 million. So it's the very upper level, and yet they'd actually done some good things. Yeah. So, Nina, maybe just a brief summary of the facts, and then we can talk about the charge against the actual in, not individual, the skip, what is the business name? Uh, synergy. 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 Yeah. Has, the charges have gone in. We haven't been heard yet. Mm. No, they've just been charged. Yeah. yeah. But it's fascinating because when you hear that, I want you to remember the definitions and say, why doesn't New South Wales have industrial manslaughter? <laughs> so off, off to you. Yeah, so in Synergy, there was an apprentice and another worker working underneath scaffolding, which was 13 levels high. The scaffolding collapsed on them and, unfortunately, I think one of them died. What was really interesting is the principal contractor in this case was aware that 
other trades, so not synergy itself, had been undoing the ties for the scaffolding because they were progressively dismantling the scaffolding. So they had raised that with synergy and said, look, can you make sure that you do daily inspections just to double check because people keep on doing these ties? Synergy just never followed through on that. And everyone was rushing the construction. They were overloading the scaffolding with pallets of bricks. So essentially, I think the judge in this case said, look, the risk was so obvious the incident was basically bound to happen. Mm. Like there's just no... So can we go back? So the principal contractor was reckless endangerment. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they knew there was a high risk of serious injury or death. They were actually alert to some of the factors that would cause that. Mm. To the extent of their supervisory responsibility, all they did was give a direction. Yeah. Rather than once you're on notice as a principal contractor, you must be satisfied there's a system in place and correction has occurred, Mm -hmm. then you must do an audit process, do it. They didn't do any of that, $900,000. But what about Synergy? Synergy, <sighs> we're told, there's people not doing this correctly. Yeah. This structure is unsafe. Yeah. They were told it. Expressly told. Yeah. Expressly yeah. told it. Okay, so let's just go back to definition of industrial manslaughter. <sighs> high risk of serious injury or death. Mm-hmm. And notoriously high risk because working at heights. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So Obvious very high risk. risk. Clear breach of primary duty. And the issue of criminal negligence comes to bear because they had a duty to ensure this was safe. They were told it wasn't safe and they did nothing. Mm. Yeah. The base level also wasn't safe because Safe Work found out 50% of the scaffolding they had erected was not compliant anyway. So it was double yeah. unsafe. So I just, I'm, I'm raising this now. If this was in Victoria, mm. there is absolutely no doubt. Oh. Not only would there be industrial manslaughter, but the officers involved yeah. be in deep strife That's because they, they were aware. Mm. They yeah. were aware. So, look, fascinating case, and let's flick it into COVID. Now, I'm sorry to talk about COVID, <laughs> and I've promised I'll try and avoid COVID cases for a while. To make it again, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, 47% of Australian adults have had COVID. Mm. We've got hospitalisation <sighs> rates at a level equal to the worst time during yeah. COVID. We're now opening up other wards to take on people. We're in the middle of winter. Yeah. The infection rates under the new sub whatever it's called variant it's yeah. variant thank you for that that's <laughs> right. I've, I've, I've run out of COVID language yeah <laughs> seems to be more transmissible but mm. also has slightly more serious effects and it's harder to treat yes that's so right that's the truth yeah now you probably saw from our LinkedIn post we did that risk assessment we went and changed the way we work we did it because we're a good employer hopefully but also because we totally understand what the legal ramifications mm. are when mm. a risk changes you must do a fresh assessment. Mm. And from that assessment, there are things you do. So, Nina, you're our safety guru. Guru okay. Nina. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for calling that. Yeah. <laughs> guru in the huddle. Yeah, right. Guru yeah. in the huddle. That's guru right. in the huddle. Oh, works. Yeah. So, Get Nina, going. what are the things when you've done the risk assessment, what are the obvious things that you're going to start doing? Well, for one, please ensure that you're actually enforcing any policies. Like you should be updating your COVID policies. You know, things have changed. If you're having people work in the workplace, are they maintaining social distancing? Are they wearing masks? Are they ensuring they're not coming to work if they are sick? All too common, we say, oh, I'm going to use Matt's phrase. Yes, I was waiting for it. What works they have made very clear is they're not going to turn a blind, blind eye to COVID anymore. Like the two years of free-for-all, look, people getting used to it, employees didn't know what they had to do, all of that's gone now. Mm. And 
Now, if you get an outbreak in your workplace and someone gets seriously affected, WorkSafe will be on to you if you haven't had the sufficient controls. And, and the officers particularly. And look, look at reckless endangerment. Uh, and I think what the three of us have talked about and what we've seen is, A, nobody has done a fresh risk assessment. Mm. No. Okay. So you have no defence. That's right. Yeah. Secondly, to the extent they do have policies and those policies could help because they haven't been reset, to the extent that has occurred, they're still not being enforced. Yeah. And that's something the officers are aware of in Victoria because mm. they're in the workplaces mm. seeing people breach it. That's right. That's and they've right. been told mm. that Australia's lost its interest and isn't complying and therefore their knowledge is what is it that we need to do to induce people to comply? Mm. Is, it, is it being more threatening? What is, it, what is it we have to be to make sure that people comply? But they know that's the risk. Yeah. And you can't hide from it. You can't say, no. look, I don't know that because it's across the media that Australians are not complying. And if you get on a tram in Melbourne, what do you notice? Mm. Half the people who are obliged by law to wear masks mm. are not wearing masks. That's right. So, the government regulation, it's gone. Yeah. That's, That's the thing. thing. There's yeah. that misunderstanding that, look, if the government's not enforcing it, we don't have to. Yeah. But it's yeah. now your problem. That's right. If the government's not stepping it's in. It's almost exclusively yeah. your problem as an, yeah. as an employer and as an officer. Yeah. 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 And WorkSafe have made that extremely clear. Yeah, by prosecuting a poor, <sighs> poor bewildered casual nurse because they don't have the judgment not to do it. Anyway, that's another issue. Mm. But I want you to think now, I want you to go out and say, is our risk assessment up to date? No. I'm going to do it. Look at the advice that is around about what you should do. Mm. Feed that into your risk assessment. Go back to your policy and the directions to employees. Make sure that you train all your supervisors and leaders and then have an audit system to ensure it's happening where there is disciplinary action that follows where it doesn't. And make sure you consult. We've heard that from so many employers where they've just implemented these changes and then not consulted the employees, so they're not aware of key information which could affect it. So please do it. That that is the end of our COVID rant. Yeah, Yeah. for this week. We're all all fully vaccinated and good luck. Okay, so (laughs) let's go on to the case study. So Jeannie was a manager at Catbird and Parrot. That wasn't what I said. <laughs> I can't believe Sophie you changed. Oh, the editorialising here. She's doing it again. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, sorry. a first-year accounting firm in Melbourne. She reported to one of the partners, Gideon, who was an eccentric yet highly skilled tax accountant. Gideon's work practices were chaotic. He committed to unachievable deadlines with his clients and threw last-minute instructions to Jeannie, who would end up at the brunt of the criticism from the client. Gideon persisted in having early morning and late-night meetings, even though he knew Jeannie was a single mother with two children under the age of five. On the flip side, Theo, who was the same age and status was given the cream (laughs) of client work. Gideon allowed Theo to set his own deadlines and positively supported him with clients. At 8pm on Friday night, Gideon rang Jeannie at home, needing her to prepare a document for a client by 9am on Saturday. Gideon knew Jeannie had worked over 70 hours that week and this was a task he should have arranged two weeks before. Jeannie worked through the night to complete the work whilst also caring for her children. The following day, she was exhausted and couldn't stop crying. She felt that her life was out of control and she couldn't handle the thought of returning to work. On Sunday morning, Jeannie called David from HR, who was not surprised at what Jeannie told him, confirming that everyone had noticed and was concerned about how stressed she was. David told her to take Monday off to rest and reassured her that he would speak to Gideon with the support of the managing partner, Vicky. 
Vicky was incensed that no one had told her about Gideon's behaviour. She reviewed the time recording and spoke with other Melbourne partners who all agreed that he treated Jeannie unfairly. Despite Vicky's anger, she didn't intervene in any way, seek an investigation or take any action to protect Jeannie except saying to David to tell Gideon to be gentle with Jeannie and keep an eye on her. When Jeannie returned to work on Tuesday, Gideon called her into the office, calling her a silly girl for complaining to HR. Gideon said he had given her the best opportunities for growth and advancement, but now his hands were now tied and he would have to give all the complex, interesting work to Theo. Gideon then gave Jeannie four matters, all behind in delivery because of him, and said he needed them finished by the end of the day, an impossible task. Jeannie left his office and went downstairs in the lift to get some fresh air. As panic took over her body, Jeannie wandered onto the road without looking to see if there was any traffic and she was struck and killed by a truck. Sad story. Sad story. Yeah, it's really yeah, dark. dark. Yeah, it's on this very dark. Yeah. Yeah, it is dark. Yeah. dark. Yeah. yeah, it was after family dinner. Uh, oh <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got a minute now, so yeah. download Slido. Yeah, or yes. please. Scan the QR code. Yeah, we'll scan. Yeah. Oh, that's right, we'll scan yeah. the QR code. We're gonna have no to one start. downloads anymore. No, that's right. with the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we didn't even spend the last you know, 18 months <laughs> scanning the QR code. Yeah. This is why I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, with the shift to the uh, the case study at the bottom, I think the three of us are all going to have to think a little bit more about how our faces present while we're printing it right. out. Yeah. We looked very seriously <laughs> concentrating. I was seriously concentrating. Yeah. Well, it was none, of, were, none of those were my words. Oh, that's very yeah. fair. So you've stolen my language. Yeah, that's right. Well, now you've got flip side. And you've got put in those language. Yeah. I, I had words in there that I knew could yeah. be said. Mm. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because I so, knew Nina was ready. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You like to keep soap on her toes. Yeah, oh, she's, yeah. she's she's destroying who I am. Well, the production manager. In play. Yeah, I know the production manager's <laughs> killing me. <laughs> it's <true>. All right. <laughs> okay, lock in those answers. All right. So, could Vicky be charged with any breach of the Occupational Health and Safety Act in Victoria? So yes. the answer is yes, yes. and yeah. the answer definitely. is every single one of them. Yeah, she's definitely an officer, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. undeniably. Yeah. And I think most interesting with reckless conduct, she did a bit, but as we know, mm. a bit's not enough. That's she's right. not going to cut it. Right. The failure to do the investigation, yeah. to take any of those Or steps. to just provide some room. Oh, that's also you know, yeah. like yeah. This is a classic example when you've got a complaint where someone is quite clearly belittling, hurting and placing mm, yeah. work burden on. We look at the psych regs, which still aren't in, but when they come in, this is exactly the types of behaviour yeah. it yeah. contemplates. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And, of course, the reporting duties and the ones of discrimination and harassment, mm. um, we talk about that down the bottom, but this is clearly harassment. It's cool. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. And yeah. he's clearly treating her very differently yeah. to yeah. Theo. That's right. And she's working incredible hours. And yeah. some of the facts that have disappeared from Sophia, she's... <laughs> Working a lot harder than Theo. That's well. right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and has more yeah. people to supervise Sophie, no, which was right. yeah. But anyway, so yes, definite. Whether you're looking at a primary duty breach in Victoria, she had knowledge. Mm. Yeah. Everywhere else, she would have had knowledge. Next question: So we've got that breach of primary duty. Mm. We've got high risk of injury or death. It's a mental health issue. Absolutely. Yeah. No, so very high risk. We've then got for reckless endangerment. Well, did she do anything that related to what she, she, she would think you would do? Mm. No, she just handed to somebody yeah. in an ineffectual direction, yeah. which left the person yeah. exposed. Tried to delegate. Didn't follow up on it yeah. or anything. Tried to delegate yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. of course, you know, potent, unlikely industrial manslaughter, but the fact that Jeannie died off-site 
doesn't matter for industrial manslaughter. So the difficulty is gross negligence, and I think you'd have trouble proving. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. Could Gideon be charged with any offence under the Occupational Health and Safety Act? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Although, interesting argument about his role as the partner in the partnership. Yeah. yeah. So, definitely everything, the that's issue is whether it can be an office for industrial manslaughter, and yeah, it goes absolutely. to the partnership yeah. deeds, which yeah. usually delegate the responsibility, control, and management to other people, mm-hmm. but could be charged. Uh, technically, just on the legislation, could be. Yeah. Uh, could David be charged with any offence under the OHS Act? Now, I'm just I put this in because safety people and HR people think they're immune. Okay. Mm. And there are a whole lot of cases which deal with underpayments mm-hmm. and wrong characterisation. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Where a person, because of their skill, has knowledge mm. of what is the correct thing, fails to advocate mm. it, <laughs> and allows it to occur with their knowledge. Yeah then there will be liability and exactly the same sits under Section 25 and its comparators across all jurisdictions. So the answer is, yes, David could be charged, and that's a warning for all safety and HR people out Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. When your people are doing things that you know they're wrong and you don't advocate against it and document that you're doing that, you could be liable. Absolutely. And really, Matt, just coming back to you, I guess, discrimination and worse than discrimination, victimisation. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely, yes, is the answer here. It's unfavourable treatment. The motive here, whether he was motivated by just wanting to be who he thought was the better worker is irrelevant. It's clearly based on her gender, um, based on her family and caring responsibilities. Early, late meetings. Oh, all of that sort of stuff. But but just explain what victimisation is in 10 seconds, will you? Well, that's right. So we said, what, 10 seconds? It's all right. So it's, that's what it's got. taking yeah. a retaliatory action against someone because they raised the complaint or made it. Yeah, and it is the money claim. It is. It is right. the money claim. So it if is. she had lived through this, yeah. the discrimination claim would have yeah. been a very powerful. We, yeah. we, we were talking mm. millions yeah. in this sort of thing. That's right. Because the silly girl comment and the, the oh. telling her off. That's it. HR. It's time. Yeah. It's time. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Thank Thanks, you. Andrew. Love having your friends like. come along. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah, yeah, please like, like and react. Yeah. Yeah. All those reactions we want. Yeah, all of them. All of them. See you later, guys. Bye-bye, everyone.